Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, we are once again jumping into the summer scouting series with the tight end position. We're going to go five through one, sending order to make sure we fill up all the suspense for who we have as our number one tight end in this class. But in this episode, we disagree a decent amount, especially in the rankings. And so you get a preview and extended previews, I should say, of a lot of these guys, about 10 different tight ends. So we're going to cover this class as best that we possibly can for you. I'm Trevor Sycamore. With me, as always, is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. Opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikama. That is the world traveled Connor Rogers back with you guys again, jumping back into the summer scouting series. Today, we are going over the tight end position. So, you guys who have uh, been hanging out with us throughout the summer scouting series know how it goes. Connor and I are going to give you our top five tight ends going into the 2023 college football season for the 2024 NFL draft. But we'll p- talk about plenty of guys as well. We'll probably talk about eight, nine, ten of these tight end prospects. So you guys are ready to know the position once the NFL draft cycle really starts to kick things off. Connor, I said that you were the well-traveled world traveler to start the podcast, and that's because... Uh, You've been out of the country for a little bit, my friend. So how does it feel being back stateside? How is the PTO? Tell the people where you went and which did. It was great. It's always nice to be home. Obviously, it's just comfortable and get a little back into a routine and focus. But vacation was lovely. I was out of the country for 10 days. Um, I started in Amsterdam, which for those that don't know, is in the Netherlands. I made my way down through Belgium. And I've done that part of the trip before, but the Uh rest was new. I went to Ghent. In Belgium, I went to Bruges in Belgium. I flew out of Brussels and finished the trip in Dublin, which was just unbelievable, dude. It's um, all great places. Not very hard, honestly, to get around. couple trains, one quick flight from Brussels to Dublin. The customs in, in Brussels is a wild ride, though. It's like somehow a three-hour line because they had one person working. But What? Yeah, it was, it was pretty scary hours, but my flight was late anyway, so we made it. A lot of people did not make their flights. It was turmoil. <laughs> But when I got to Dublin, everything was great because the Guinness over there is just on a totally different level as well as the people that'll make you laugh. So it's a great trip, dude. It was, it's not, you know, the industry you and I are in, it's, this is it. Like you either go away in the dog days of June. Right. Or you got to figure out a lot of shit. I mean, you really do. So I looked at the calendar and I was like, and, you know, my fiance works in sports as well, yeah. um, as, as does yours. So you guys really get it. We literally really live like parallel lives. Right. And it's, it's just, I mean, it's like now or never. So it was a nice 10 days. Wasn't on the phone very much. Did not tweet really much at all. Uh, my front desk sent one tweet that people caught on to. I didn't send it. My front desk did. Um, and it's great to be back. Guys got a front desk out here. Dude, okay. Yeah. So I've never, I've been to, I've been to um, Amsterdam. I've been to Brussels. Great place. But I haven't been okay. again. Haven't been to Dublin, so I haven't been to any of those places. Uh, I'm sure the people listening to the podcast are going to comment about if they've been the things that they were able to do. But I'm gonna I'm gonna rapid fire a couple questions okay. off for you because I gotta know because I'm curious about great vacations like this. I want to know the best drink you had because I know you're a big you guys are big beer drinkers yeah. and I know that you were traveling the world getting the different tastes of beer at every spot. You said the Guinness was next level in Dublin, so I wonder if oh, that's yeah. going to be it. But best drink, best meal you had. And then just like best sites, like where were you just like, God, what a beautiful place, whether it was a city, whether it was like, you know, the, 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 the open grasslands or the, the, the landscape, wherever it was, just where was the best sites? Those three questions go. 
Great questions. So I can't say Guinness because now the Guinness is better over there, but I've had Guinness. So it's, you know, the the wow factor can only go so far. It's like Coke and McDonald's, right? Everybody says the Coke's better at McDonald's for some reason. That's pretty good. Yeah, pretty good way of putting it. Um, So the best beer I had that we'd never had before was a a House of Boone. Um, If you want to look this up, it's G-E-U-Z-E. B-O-O-N. It is a sour beer from Belgium. I had it both. It, me and my fiance had it in both the Netherlands and down in Belgium. It's a Belgian beer. Wow. It is bottled with a cork. So it pops like a champagne. It is oh, aged. Hell yeah. Yeah. It is aged anywhere from one to three years. Um, it is a very, very awesome bottle. It's fun that you open it like a champagne. It is. It tastes unbelievable. I, we looked up how much it would be to ship it. <laughs> from like if we didn't bring it ourselves we just right. bring it from belgium i think it was 89 dollars a bottle so and, and over there over there it's like nine euros right so it's like okay this is the only time we're gonna be drinking this until we're back we're, uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna need yeah. a couple more subscribers to the channel before you can yeah, start it's, ordering. <laughs> it's like unlocked at level two hundred and fifty thousand subscribers we're not there yet dude it's not like the boat or the house or anything right. like that. <laughs> yeah so the house of boone was is just it's unreal okay Second one um, you said was place or I feel like I skipped something. Meal, meal. And then like, yeah, place sites, whatever. Okay. Mr. S in Dublin uh, would definitely take that. We split, I believe a tomahawk. I forget what kind of, I mean, just went all in on the steak. It's, it's one of those places too, where like you sit in the front, but you could see the kitchen in the back. It's an open kitchen in the back with the grills Mm -hmm. and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, That was out of this world out of this world that charred broccoli um obviously potatoes over in europe especially ireland phenomenal fried potatoes place i'll do two one in ghent you could see the mystic lamb painting for those that don't know what that is it's a very famous million years old original painting so when i saw the mona lisa in france it's like a big deal you wait to see there's a million people there you walk in it's like the size of your laptop screen you're like okay like not to shit on the mona lisa but like most most underwhelming sightseeing thing i've ever done in my life a hundred and everybody says the same thing like you get there and you're like i gotta get to the crowd to see it and then you take a picture and like oh my god that's the mona lisa uh (laughs) mona lisa stock down mystic lamb stock (laughs) up mystic lamb you walk through a, a cathedral and it's it's massive it's like a movie theater screen and it has shutters it opens up it's it's a billion years old it's been stolen like 45 times so the history wow. of it's really yeah it's, wow. it's insane that was really cool in ghent and then i would say probably house in outs right outside dublin it's like a, a beach area of dublin it's just ireland is one of the most beautiful places in the world um and it's it's amazing that nine billion people don't try to live there honestly like it's it's just special so great trip for those that are listening and and you know got to take away a little something or want to know travel spots uh, hit up the show and we'll, we'll help you out but and i know yeah. we have a lot of international listeners too which is right um, which is always really really cool i'm very jealous of where where you all live and very glad that you know we get to do a little visit here and there yeah anybody who's an international listener of the show an international addict if you will let us know if connor hit up the right spots or if next or time did he just botch this entire trip <laughs> <laughs> no it's beauty's in the eye of the beholder when you travel you don't even got to worry about that but like i i mean uh, listen i haven't been to over to europe in a, in a long time uh and so we're jonesing to go back i'd love to have recommendations in that area anybody who's over there uh saying like hey if you come over here this is the must visit spot or must 
have meal must enjoy drink whatever it is we would love to hear that if you guys can give us some comments in, in the show so hey before we get the tight ends and uh, i know people who are listening are like wow this is a really long intro well just if it's you want longer. tight end talk just just <laughs> skip ahead a little bit we're having a little bit of fun in this episode just because connor got back and then we also on twitter yuke underscore nfl who is he proclaims a huge fan of the show and i absolutely believe it because he fired off seven yeah. questions that could be in a mailbag. He said, love to hear you two talk about these controversial topics. And they're not, I, I Connor, I don't think they're going to take up 90% of the show, but I do believe that we could fire through these bad boys rapid fire to give people like a mini mailbag and just to give a little salute to you who sent these questions to us. Yeah, they're Are great. You, had, okay, so you have seen them. I have seen them. Okay. I, I haven't like overly prepared though, so that's good. I want them to be natural. Okay. All right. So this is from at Uke underscore NFL. So you guys can go hit him up and uh, and get in on the questions next time if you guys uh, collaborate there a little bit. First question. How do you pronounce GIF? Now, I just said it. So that's how G-I-F. I say it. I yeah. say GIF. Other people say that it's supposed to be GIF, like peanut butter. No, I don't- no. You say GIF because you're not on an FBI wanted list. It's GIF. <laughs> it's I mean... When I hear somebody say GIF, I immediately don't trust them. Well, I, just, I just think about the peanut butter. Like, what do you the, mean? The peanut butter totally. Oh, I, yes. oh, I sent you, you a GIF this morning. Will you send me a jar of peanut butter this a jar morning? Of peanut this butter. Is right. what I think. So, all right. 100%. If, if it, it's, it's GIF. GIF, if anybody else is on the other side of it, uh, you can comment, but we'll just, we'll just roast your ass in the comments if that's the I, case. I got to read number two because okay. you're a bit of a wing connoisseur. This is uh, true. This is very true. It, I mean, and I'm actually like fascinated to know your answer on this. Uh-huh. Which half of the wing is best? And, yeah. and Uriel says, flats are more flavorful. Let's be real. Do you agree, Trevor? I feel like wing diehards don't go flats. It's so... All right, so here's my answer for it. And it's a little bit of a cop-out, but I've got to stay true to my heart. The higher floor to me mm. is a flat. Because Good I just point. feel like, you know, you've got, you've obviously got the the first bite on the one side of the flat. You got the second bite on the other one. You're getting the meat out of the middle. And it's just like, you know exactly what you're getting every time. The floor is so high with that one. With like drums, you sometimes it's like the greatest bite you've ever had. Because there are, there are drums that are shaped so perfectly where you get, you're able to get that full scoop of ranch or blue cheese or whatever yeah. it is. And it's just like the perfect bite but there are other times when like the drums are shaped horribly or you get gypped and there's like there's just not a there's just not a lot of meat on there so i i think if i had to choose i'd probably go drums but okay but the flat got the higher floor what do you think what's your answer i I go flats for a lot of the reason you explain but the ceiling of the draw it's just few and far between when it's really really done right I mean, I listen. I can't. Have you ever? Do you do the? Uh, do you do the thing where you can, you can push the meat down on a on a flat and get like the meat umbrella? You know, for, like people from Buffalo do that. You ever seen people do that? I don't think so. Yeah, you and just I, like I've had wings in Buffalo, but that's you okay. grab you, you grab it. you grab like the top of the flat 
and you like squeeze your fingers and you push down on it. And so like all the meat like, I got comes you. out and yep. they, they literally call it like a meat umbrella. Cause then you're holding the bones and then like the wild meat name, is up the wild name. But yeah, I let think, me, let me make the meat umbrella <laughs> today with my hands. <laughs> But I think, I think you can, you can scoop sauces uh, better that way on a flat. So <laughs> maybe, maybe this isn't getting fun. better. This isn't getting better. I'm changing my Xbox gamer tag to meat umbrella. The second is so spot. good. <laughs> meat umbrella 69 is logged on to Madden. Oh, Make sure you man. guys follow me on Twitter at meat umbrella. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. All right. Anyways, okay. So that's the Anyone answer that, that skipped to the tight ends is a sucker. They're, by the way. they're missing like, out on this. They're gold missing. Content. I promise this is as good as the show is going to get today. I promise you. This is Number, the <laughs> I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring the term meat umbrella back uh, when we go through tight ends. I <laughs> Did guarantee. it ever leave? Oh, okay. Okay. Well, no, when we get back to tight ends. <laughs> uh, question number three milk, then cereal, or cereal, then milk? It blows my mind this question exists. I've never in my life witnessed somebody pour a bowl of milk and then cereal into no, it. No, I haven't. I've, ne I've never they seen don't it. E they don't exist. Those they people do, don't they exist. exist. It's they a complete myth. They it's a complete exist. myth. And if yeah. somebody does that, I, it like, makes me think of like somebody pouring croutons into soup. It doesn't even make sense. It's just so it's such an odd move. Yeah. No. You, you, put the you put the milk over the cereal. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. I, I really hope that all of you are doing that. And if not... Comment right. on the show. Yeah, God, yes, like and subscribe, smash. Yeah. <laughs> Number four, do you say on accident or by accident? The correct answer, I guess grammatically, I didn't look this up beforehand, is always by accident. And he says, explain on accident. Because when I thought about it, I was like, I think I use both. I do. It's like I, yeah. I use both very interchangeably. If on accident is the first thing that comes to my mind, I have no hesitation saying that but i guess maybe that's not correct i definitely say that though even if it's not but i also will throw in a by accident as well i think yeah. i say on more though i think i also say on right i'm like oh they that was on accident yeah i definitely say on accident but sometimes i'll say bye all right all right number five when yeah. you get out of the shower do you get fully dry or minimal drying and then close like a psycho? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't like your really commentary. I don't really, I, I don't understand how you would shower and then not get full. The, the only part of that that I could understand is maybe like hair. If you're doing something. Yeah, with I don't dry hair. my hair. Right. Like I'll, I'll, I'll kind of do the, you know, the scrunch dry with the hair, but then, you right. know, Especially if it's in the morning, we're preparing for this show. You know, we got to be you know, dressed to the nines. Then we got to, you know, you got to get the blow dryer in there to actually, you know, finish the job. But no, I, I fully dry. I don't, I don't really know how anybody could go half dry out of the shower. That seems kind of gross. I, I do a lot of lingering. Like if I have time, and that's not always the case, I am usually just horrible figuring out time. But if I have nowhere to go for the day and I shower, like I'll just linger, like just throw briefs on and just. I'll air dry is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. So you, so you kind of are, you are a little bit of the, of a psycho as you're yelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't put my clothes on like, while wow, I'm still damp. That's weird. No. Yeah. That's weird. That's but weird. definitely, definitely the air dry. Like okay. I don't need to, I don't need to just like scrub and scratch with a towel for an hour. Yeah. yeah I don't, luxury, I don't... luxury is a work from home people. I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> Number six, Apple or Android. I mean, yeah. Uh, Apple. 
one 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 billion percent apple yeah um yeah if you're team android again smash like a subscribe on the show comment yes. and then absolutely fight us in the parking lot <laughs> and, then, Number... and then make a rival account <laughs> right seven uh this is the last one when playing games so i assume this is either like a, a type of board game uh, video, game. video game something like that when playing games do you save slash hoard your quote unquote lifesaver moves or things that you have in your back pocket or things like that? Or do you use them right away? I'm a, I'm a big hoarder. Same, I think, of, man. Yeah. Like I think of like any RPG, like when it comes to like ammo, supplies, like yeah. I'm talking like all the way from Red Dead to The Last of Us to right. Zelda. Um, I am a big, big hoarder. I, I can't I can't live on the edge like that. No, I can't either. I can't. I when I approach gameplay for whatever reason my default is like you got to be prepared for worst case scenario. 100%. You know like if somebody comes at you in a way that you didn't expect like you better have that extra ammo or like you better have that trap card or you like you better have like you better not blow it. So I'm not a I'm I'm not like one of those let's get super aggro right off the bat. Right. I'm I may be more maybe just more of a reserved player that way, but um yeah. Those That's are very question. fun. Those are very fun. Uriel, that was awesome. Uh again, giving him a shout out at Y-U-K-E underscore NFL. Uh, if you guys have any fun answers to those questions, uh any big opinions on meat umbrellas, please again comment on the show. This is this is kind of an outside the box fun show, and we would love to hear from you guys there. But all right, let's get into it. Let, let's finally give the diehards what they are here to actually listen to, and that is for us to break down the 2023 tight end class, at least the uh, sorry, 2024 tight end class prior to the 2023 college football. Season. Connor, we always go from five to one, save the suspense for the end. But let me tell you, there's not a single person listening to this podcast that thinks that they uh, don't already know who number one on this list was going to be. But it's going to be a fun one. Nonetheless, talking about these guys. Who did you have at number five? This was tough. Number five also often is that variable spot where you feel bad leaving someone out that you thought should be in it. And for me, this came down to really two guys because of their floor. I'll talk about the ceiling guy at the end of the show when we talk about the extra guys. I didn't want to throw a ceiling dart into five. Two floor guys, both from the same conference in the Big Ten. It okay. came down to Cade Stover and Brevin Spanford. And oh, I went okay. And I went with Spanford. Um honestly, that like it's you can make the argument for either, but I'll get into Spanford because I know we're gonna have time to talk about Cade on this show. He's massive, the tight end from Minnesota. He's 6'7, 270. He is an excellent blocker, Trevor. An excellent blocker. He's a proven run blocker. Not only has he graded out extremely highly as a run blocker, he puts out really good tape of moving people off the line of scrimmage, blocking on the move, being a difference maker in the run game. And fortunately, we got to see in 2022 him unlock his receiving potential as well. He had 42 mm -hmm. catches. He had almost 500 receiving yards. He had two touchdowns. He's a good athlete. He has some clips of him hurtling defenders. There is, you know, he really reminded me of Austin Safarian Jenkins when watching him. Same exact body, same exact blocking in a really, really good way. And then you look at how big he is in the middle of the field, and it's like, okay, if that guy is going to catch the ball if I put it on him because he's so big. So it was almost confusing watching him because I said, 
why didn't why wasn't he in the draft? Right. I don't think he's a, a top two or three rounds kind of player, but as a sixth year senior this year, I don't know how much he can improve on. I mean, he's a yeah. pro ready blocker. He's always going to be this kind of mediocre-ish receiver, but adequate, fine, completely fine. Some red zone potential because of his size. If you looked at the ways teams will want to use Darnell Washington in last from last year's draft and you go through that process to span forward, you're like, okay, he could be my sixth offensive line people mover. He can catch the ball. There's some receiving potential here. Um, and I really, really liked him. I liked him a lot. And and obviously it was very close between him and Stover. Stover does a lot of the same things well, which was interesting, but this kind of size that span forward has is very, very rare when you know how to utilize that size in the football field. Yeah. So I'm a little bit different with, with both of these guys. I'm higher on Cade Stover than you are, but I'm, and I'm a little bit lower on Brevin Sim- span forward. So that's kind of a good way to intro my thoughts on him. I did think that we saw him decently similar. I just, I feel like, so I, I, I'm just a little bit lower on what he is right now as a receiver because you and I both certainly agree he's an imposing blocker, man. I yeah. mean, just listing off his size, he's six foot seven, 263 pounds. That's what Minnesota yeah. has him listed at. That's 95th percentile in height and 84th percentile in weight. So this is a big boy. Like this, yeah, this huge. Dude, this is a this guy has NFL caliber size right now. So, you know, when I look at the background. He was only a three-star prospect. He's from he's from the state of Minnesota. He played tight end, he played wide receiver, and he played defensive end in high school. So he played both sides of the ball because of that size. I think that everybody would feel like that would be the case. He started 26 games over the last two seasons, so he's got some great experience. Some PFF stats that you, you touched on as well, but to give a little bit more context to him, elite 91.1 overall grade in 2022, which is fantastic. Over... 2.0 yards per route run in each of the last two seasons. So when they're throwing this guy the ball, he's getting a decent clip out of there. Now, I think that all, that also stems from he's not running as many routes where he would be the decoy. Like when he's out there in the receiving game, when he's running routes, he's often first or second in the progression. Like they're trying to get him involved in the game. It's not a constant because of how much he is used, like you said, as that sixth offensive lineman as a blocker. But it's good to see that when he is used as a receiver, they go to him. And when they do, uh, it's normally a pretty good uh, return on investment. 82.6 run blocking grade in in, uh, in 2022. So that's, again, fantastic there. 434 run blocking snaps to just 224 receiving snaps last year. So again, I mentioned he's a little bit more of a blocker than he is as a receiver. You hit the things that I liked about him pretty well. I think he's a ready-made pro in probably the reasons why you would draft him. The two issues that I had from him and probably a reason why he just wasn't higher on this list is he is an imposing blocker. He's got some great strength to his blocking profile, but I didn't see that as much when the ball was coming his way as a receiver. Specifically, if you have a player that big, you know that Okay, he's a good athlete, but let's face it, he's six foot seven, 263. So a lot of his catches are probably going to be contested. There's going to be a lot of guys around him. He's not yeah. running away from people creating these big throwing windows. So I didn't think that his strength at the catch point was as good as it could be given the strength that I've seen in his blocking profile. And I also felt that for a guy who's six foot seven, he didn't 
maximize his catch radius with those long arms as much as I wanted him to. So I had him tight end eight. I had him a little bit lower, but those were two areas. There are sometimes when we do these exercises where I've got guys, hey, seven, eight, nine in the rankings where I go, that's kind of just because you are who you are. Span forward, if if he gets a little bit more reliable in those contested catch situations and if he's making the most out of that big catch radius, I'll probably say like, all right, man, like you've got a great floor as a blocker. I can put you in on any down. And now I like you in the areas and I'm probably going to use you, which is over the middle and in the red zone because you've got that strength profile now to your, to your receiving game too. So that's where I saw him. That's why I'm a little bit lower, but we did kind of see him pretty similar. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also an interesting year where number five is not a very glorious spot, honestly. That's, that's, right yeah, now that's very true, like, too. Yeah. Full transparency, I, I know before we were chatting, you know, I watched 10 guys for this exercise. You watched 11. Mm-hmm. I've, I've seen a handful of more, some of them from last year, like Urasek and Eric All. Right. I didn't include those in the 10, but I've seen them. Um, and I, I there wasn't anybody that commanded the fifth spot. I think somebody kind of fell into it because of what they are right now. And Mm -hmm. I can make the same exact arguments for Stover, but, and you know, you just hope those guys improve on those aspects of their game, but I'll, I'll uh, pretty easily admit or be blunt about, I was much more excited about four to one than five to one. Sure. So number five for me, and I could, I could definitely see what you're talking about there for sure. I got Ben Sanat from Kansas state. I'm going to, I'm not going to lie to the good people. I really didn't know who Benson not was until I got into this exercise. And I saw a couple of people saying like, Hey, keep your eye on this guy. I was like, I, I, I yeah. don't even remember hearing his name in college football. So plays for Kansas state. He's going to be a senior this year, six foot four, 245 pounds. So he's a little, a little bit smaller, a little bit lighter. That's 38th percentile in height, 17th percentile um, in weight. But I will say it feels like we are gravitating towards lighter tight ends so that 245 weight number i think it's a 17th percentile now if we recheck that in three years four years i bet that's like 35 to 45th percentile man uh yeah it's pretty standard i just think that that's the way that the game is going so anyways that's his that's his uh that's his measurables there how about this connor zero star recruit out of waterloo iowa or I think Indiana. I can't remember which one it is. I should probably clarify that in my notes. But anyways, zero star recruit from from Waterloo, which I think goes perfectly into his scouting profile and why I like this guy so much. Kansas State uses him in a variety of different ways. They use him in the slot. They've used him out wide. They use him in line, attached to the line of scrimmage. They use him as a wing back. I've seen him in a fullback position. He is the true do-it-all player. And when you when you find out that he was a zero-star recruit and that he has had to truly work his ass off for every bit of playing time that he has earned at Kansas State, it just magnifies kind of the work, the worker's mentality, the worker's style of play that you see from him. I think he's a really willing blocker. He is not afraid to stick his nose in there. He's got a he when that ball comes to him, when they actually throw him the football, you can tell that he he acts like this is the last time that he's going to get a pass. Right. And I think his, his 66.7 contested catch percentage, it really speaks to that. Now he also had four drops, which I was pretty shocked about because he consistently, I felt thought caught well through contact and the drops, I think more and more just concentration things than anything else. But I thought it was had, the adjustments. 
personally. I mean, that, I, that I thought, he, I thought he really too. struggled to adjust when the ball is away from him or he has to, you know, reconfigure his body. That's where I saw those drops come up on tape. So, and and that, that's certainly, I, I would definitely co-sign that with that as well. 16 explosive plays. So that's uh, receiving gains of at least 15 yards or more. So you know that they're using him in that ability. His strengths, I'll just list a couple of them off here that I have. Really versatile player. I mentioned all the different spots that he could play in. Impressive ability to flip the hips. He, he just feels very natural in the way that he moves of course his body's a little bit smaller in size than you are going to talk about with some of these other tight ends and so you want to see that but you do see that i think he's an average athlete for the nfl level but i at least think he's average which is more than i can say for a lot of the other guys lower on this list that i'm worried about athletically he is not a body catcher i mentioned i i didn't like the fact that i felt like the body the the ball was coming into the body of brevin span forward way too much that's not the case with Ben Snot. Those arms are fully extended as much as they possibly can be. And for his contested catch numbers to be all the way up with his arms fully extended, you know that that's good a little bit too. Um, some things that I'll say that he just needs to work on where his mentality for blocking is certainly there. Not afraid of contact at all whatsoever. He is a little bit too much of a shoulder blocker right now. He is trying to just punish and really punch the guys that he's going up against with a ton of contact at the very beginning when, when he runs into him. But there were definitely times when you could tell some of the more seasoned pass rushers, some of the more seasoned blitzing linebackers, they'd see him turn his body to throw that shoulder and they would just swim move by him or they would just immediately be able to roll off of it. So you got to square these guys up. And I think that um, he definitely can, but this is somebody who, when you understand his background and where he came from, you see a lot of that style out there on the field. I think he moves really well. Um, I think he is attentive to the techniques and and the discipline part of playing the position to be a reliable football player. And I think that that ultimately is why I have him at number five, because you mentioned it. A lot of guys that you could probably list at number five and that's not really because of great reasons, probably low ceiling reasons. But I know that I can probably, whatever I'm going to demand of this guy, whether it's a rookie season, a second year, a third year, whatever, this dude is going to be a workhorse. And I think the floor for Ben Sinat is really high in this tight end class because of everything that he's able to bring to the table and that mentality of him going from a zero-star recruit to somebody that we're now talking about at an NFL level. So that was my thoughts on Sinat, who comes in at number five for me. He didn't make my top five, but I watched a lot of him and I see what you're saying with him. He kind of came out of nowhere. It felt like a little bit last year. He had a nice season. He had some big time stretches. Um, he plays really hard. He does make some tough catches. I was frustrated by some of the drops or the lack of it looking natural to him all the time. I think that you do see an okay athlete. I didn't think he was great after the catch. I thought he was just okay. But like you said, at number five, you know, the door is kind of open when you hear us talk about these guys. And Sanat is somebody right now that is, you know, he's absolutely on the radar in the senior tight end class and mm -hmm. not just on the radar, but probably pretty high on it, too, from what we've heard. Um, number four for me, this is where I thought it got a little bit more exciting. Mm -hmm. And I had UNC's Bryson Nesbitt. Okay. And, and when you look at Nesbitt play, Number one, it's easy to watch because he plays with Drake May. So yeah. you know you're, you're <laughs> yeah. going to see one of the things I wrote down. So Nesbitt, six five and a quarter, two thirty five. Um, one of the things that you know, he, last year he finished with thirty five catches, five hundred seven yards, four touchdowns. That's a pretty typical stat line you're going to hear with a lot of these guys. 
Um, he really knows how to work back to the quarterback in the scramble drill because of playing with Drake May. That mm -hmm. was something with him that I saw him have a knack for. The first line, though, in my notes I wrote down is just that he plays with an edge in everything he does. And he's not the heaviest tight end. Obviously, I'm sure 235 would be pretty low in the historical percentiles. And that's why I did write in the cons that it's a long shot he ever develops into an inline threat. He's not yeah. going to be this guy that you put on the line of scrimmage and ask the block. You are taking him to be a move tight end. Uh, I, I thought viable power slot. There's some explosiveness into his routes. He will get his head knocked off to make a catch. He's got a big catch radius for contested situations, and he's a dangerous seam runner. I mean, that the speed he has can really challenge the heels of linebackers and put them on their heels and kind of have them sweating a little bit. So Nesbitt's a productive guy, but when you look at some of the playmakers that have left that UNC offense, I think the door is open for him to potentially have upwards of 700 to 800 yards and, and eight-plus touchdowns this year. I really do. I think he's got the rapport and the chemistry with Drake May. I think he understands how to play in the pro game. Um, and I think he's a good athlete. I really do. If you're asking for somebody to be this completely perfect, well-rounded tight end, he's not going to be your guy. But if you want somebody that can be this power slot receiving threat that has seam stretching ability, something that wasn't always the easiest thing to find in this class, then Nesbitt will be for you. Yeah, I, I. so he just missed my top five. He was one of those guys that I debated potentially being at that five spot. I ultimately didn't go with him because – Maybe I'm maybe I'm just not seeing him correctly, but I saw a lot of the strength deficiencies I felt like in his game uh, when it came to the fact that I agree with you completely. He's not going to be an inline player. I just yeah. don't think that he is. Even even when you watch him get out of his stance to run, he's not coming out low. Like he he is immediately the second that ball was snapped, he is straight up. He just gets straight vertical. It doesn't make good for leverage when he comes to blocking. And I think that UNC knows that. That's why they don't ask him to do it very often. If he is ever blocking, it's often in a split zone. Um, assignment where yep. he's a wing back on the on the opposite side of the line of scrimmage. The offensive line's moving left. He's coming behind the line of scrimmage, moving right to take the defensive end or the linebacker that's coming yep. crashing down that they're leaving open. But you do that, then he's completely up. So it's just about squaring guys up in between the shoulders. I don't think he's going to be an inline presence stall whatsoever. Did I have the numbers? I think I had the numbers here. Uh, maybe I don't. I lied. I lied once again. Very big shocker. But yeah, I, I, I he's he's just somebody who you're not going to play him in line very much. And so maybe I'm a little bit too harsh on that because I, I don't think the acceleration's great. Like it, he just, he just seems very high waisted. And I feel like his, his zero to 40, like zero to 30 takes a while, but then his, 30 to 60 like he's got the final gear you mentioned when he gets going yeah what he could be is a seam vertical player that's what i yep. i love to see him in a vertical stretching offense because i think that's where you're getting the most out of him because it might take him a couple of extra steps to get from zero to 30 but then that 30 to 60 it's gonna look like he's gliding and he's very comfortable behind the second level you mentioned how smart he is he's great in between zones i think there are times when he can flip the hips decently quickly especially stop when he needs to stop against zone coverage. Um, bigger body, six foot five guy, uh, measurables. Let me look these up so that people have them really quick. Six foot five, which would be the 66th percentile for tight ends. Listed at 235. And so that's, again, that goes into the lack of strength, the lack of blocking profile. That's just the second percentile of tight ends. So that's light, which it, those numbers 
his alignment, his snaps make you think that, okay, is this guy just going to be listed basically as a wide receiver in the NFL level? Maybe that is the case. So he's listed as a tight end. We're talking about him here on tight end day, but he could just be a receiver at the next level. Uh, I'll say this though, all the guys we're talking about today for the most part, besides Uh a very, very small handful at best are like fifth and sixth year players. He's had two years of college. He was a true freshman in 2021. So good note. I actually lean on the optimistic side of him, him ultimately being like 245 or 250 when his NFL combine comes. Cause he's tall. He's very tall, very tall. You know, it's just, once again, when you're an old tight end, it's so easier to have that many years of college weight and nutrition program where this dude, like, I think the true, I think your trajectory will benefit him because of his age. I think that's fair. That's a fair thing to bring up for sure. Um, he He's not my number four guy. Before I get to my number four guy, got to talk to the fantasy football people out there. Imagine this, you draft the perfect team. In fact, you draft a team that is so good. You've got lineup decisions to make every single week. And the guy that you benched just happened to go off and you get absolutely no reward for it. Well, if you're playing over on DraftKings and their best ball format, well, then you get the best of your entire team all season long. This year, best ball on DraftKings is bigger and better than ever with $10 million in guaranteed cash prizes that's up for grabs. Join DraftKings' biggest best ball contest today, and you get your first entry back in DraftKings dollars as soon as the draft is finished. Enter DraftKings' best ball millionaire contest and snake draft your team for the entire season. Each week, you'll automatically rack up points from all of your top scores. No ads, no drops, no nothing like that, no trades. That's why if you think that you're a brilliant fantasy drafter, then this is the format for you. Teams with the most points at the end of the season will have a shot to take home $1 million as the top prize. Head over to DraftKings app and sign up using the promo code PFF. Join the DraftKings $10 million best ball tournament and get your first entry back in DraftKings dollars. That's PFF as the promo code only on DraftKings. If you've got a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. One per customer, opt-in required with a $10 entry fee. Bonuses issued as 10 DK dollars. Age and eligibility restrictions re- apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com slash promotions for details. All right. Number four for me. I was torn on this one, Connor. Number four for me, I assume is number three for you, is Jaheim Bell. So Jaheim Bell was... You assume wrong, my friend, but go on. Okay, I like it. Then we're going to see him a little bit differently again. Maybe you're... uh, I think this is actually becoming a theme of the tight end show. I I did the Jaheim Bell thing last summer. People can go watch it. We'll get into it. So Jaheim Bell, now he's playing at Florida State, was playing at South Carolina, Listed at six foot three, two hundred thirty-three pounds. Six foot three is in the fifteenth percentile of the tight end position. Two hundred thirty-three pounds would be in the second percentile. So pretty low in weight um, there for Jaheim Bell. And the reason why is because he's kind of just this all-around player, and that's also why I have him at number four here. And maybe some people have him higher. They like to bet on the athleticism because when you watch him, he's a fantastic athlete there out in the field. I just don't know how much they're going to utilize that as a tight end at the next level. Only 44 snaps as an inline tight end in 2022. He had 82. So almost double of that as a slot receiver. And then he had 168 snaps as a halfback. Now South Carolina's injuries and, and their, their roster construction throughout the season, I think went into that, but he's just not this traditional tight end. 
Like he, he's almost, I, I don't mean to just say this because Debo also went to South Carolina, but like he's this Debo Samuel, hey, this guy's a, just a true athlete for us and we're going to play him wherever we got to play him. That's great in college. That rarely happens at the NFL level. You just don't get that a lot. So he's not a seasoned tight end. In fact, tight end was the position that he played the least last year. A little bit of a background. Okay, four-star tight end from Valdosta, Georgia. Played tight end wide receiver in high school. He tore his ACL midway through his senior season in high school, which caused him to miss the rest of that final season of high school eligibility. He originally committed to Florida Go Gators, but he uh, changed it to South Carolina in the end, spent three seasons in Columbia. Now he transferred to Florida State, so he's uh, so he's playing at Florida State. Now, his, his stats are a little weird. I try to find PFF stats to give context to, to player skill sets and, and what we could see them being. The average depth of target last year was just 3.8 yards. That's really low. Now, of course, him playing most of his snaps out of the backfield, that goes into that. A lot, a lot of you're not you're not getting vertical down the field like you would be if you were a true receiver or a tight end most of the time. So I think you got to take that into account. But still, low average depth of target, that's kind of tough to see. What's not tough to see is the contested catch situation, which I like. 66.7% contested catch percentage. Um, super versatile athlete, excellent balance through contact. He's a really tough guy to bring down. I just feel like he was, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know if misused as South Carolina is, is, is the way to say it, but, um, he just was not used like a tight end in 2022. And that makes his projection really difficult because if you want to say, if you want to sit here and say, no, 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 forget about the snap counts that we saw at South Carolina. Don't worry about it. Uh, Florida state's going to use him in the right way. Well, okay, what's the right way? Because I just listed off the percentiles. If you want to call him a tight end, it's 15th percentile in height, and he's second percentile in weight. So you're probably just using him as a slot receiver or a wing back anyways. You're probably not going to have him on the line of scrimmage. All of that to say, this is a really good athlete. He is an explosive player. When you watch Jaheim Bell versus other tight ends in this class, you go, that guy's different. That guy's a better athlete than a lot of the other players that I'm watching, minus um, the meat umbrella himself, Brock Bowers. But that is where you kind of lose me with putting him a lot higher on this list is I just don't know how much you're really going to use this guy as a tight end. And I don't know exactly where his home position is if it's not tight end. So he's number four. He's got to, I think he's got to be in the top five just because of the caliber athlete he is. But that's my thoughts on Jaheim Bell. It's the conundrum I ran into and why I didn't put him in my top five. Okay. It just, it just, I don't know what he is anymore. And honestly, I thought his best tape is at running back full, full honesty. I thought his best tape was just in the backfield and as a pure runner and however creative you want to get with handing him the ball or dumping the ball off to him. He's not a real tight end. And Wow. It doesn't mean there's not a roster role for him at the NFL level because you can carry hybrid players, whether you view him as a sixth wide receiver, a third tight end, a third or fourth running back, or this chess piece spot of it all. But it's tough, man. He is What's... really exciting to watch. What's that? I'm 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 looking this up right now. I, I forgot to look this up before the show. If you were to say he's a halfback. His height would be 98th percentile. 90, 99th percentile. And his weight would be <laughs> Brandon Jacobs. Come on, brother. It's like I'm just looking at the top of the list, and Brandon Jacobs is 267. 
That's insane. Um, Dude, wild. I was on a flight with him once. Brandon and Jacobs? Yeah, he. I think he was flying for... It was when he was done playing, but, like, the Giants always have alumni come back and stuff, and, like, mm-hmm. I didn't bother him, but just, like, he was a couple rows away, and I'm just like, this is a defensive end. Dude, dude, like, stacked. Like, I couldn't believe... Like, I could believe how big he was, but even when... I'm like, God, he was a good running back, and right. he looks like a D-end. Right. Um, It would be 99th percentile in height and 93rd percentile in weight, so... Maybe you think here's a body type for you. Big ass running back. Latavius Murray, 6'3, 230. Isn't Latavius Murray the sneakiest 6'3, 230? I think we've talked about this on this very show. Probably. And both of us. That's his listed height weight now. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. He's a great player. Interesting. He's the reason he's 33 and still rumbling. But uh, I don't think it's. It's weird. So I look back at our summer rankings and we each had Jaheim Bell at three. We were very excited about him because mm-hmm. you look at him and you think um, Johnu Smith. Yes. That's what, like last summer. I yes. think that's what we talked about. Right. And it's like, great. Like this what, is Johnu Smith. But what's Johnu listed at? It's got to be similar, right? Johnu Smith at the combine was 6'3", 248. So he's a full 15. Oh, wow. So he's a full 15 pounds bigger than Jaheim Bell and 15 pounds bigger uh, put still tight only, end. only gets him at 28th percentile though. Right. It's it's very tricky with him. I I just I wanted I, to buy into the promise again like I did last summer and I just yeah. stopped myself. Yeah, I think that's I'm just like I hope Jaheim Bell's uh-huh. Here's my other thing. Florida State's offense is awesome this yeah. year. Yeah. Correct. They have stars at running back, wide receiver, and quarterback. Like, why am I selling myself on, well, you know what? Florida State's going to really have to unlock Jaheim Bell. They don't. He could be good there. Yeah. They don't need him to be Superman. They got that yep. at the other three positions. So I hope it really works out for him. I'm not writing him off as an NFL prospect at all. But I couldn't put him in my top five. So not Fair. That's fair, man. Fair. I, I had... What you were talking about when you were mentioning how number five isn't super inspiring and how there's a behemoth at the very top of this class. There's one other guy who I think we're both going to have at number two who's very intriguing. It's a very chalk top. And then I think it's a lot of low ceiling players, mainly due to athleticism. And Bell, at least, is a really good athlete. So I'm in the business of drafting athletes at, in a sport that demands that you be a good athlete. So yeah, that's no, why, it's good that's strategy. why I ended up having a at number four, but it's, I, I, all that to say, I do agree with you. I'm worried about what he's actually going to be at the NFL. So. It's a good process though. And it brings me to number three for me, where I kind of hope I, I found someone here or think I'm projecting in the right way. And I look at Luke Lachey for Iowa. Oh, I didn't watch him. He's awesome. Did you say Iowa? Iowa, which is... How do they do this? How do they... How are they doing this? It's just they constantly do it. And (laughs) you go back to the well. Like, I laugh. Last summer, I had Laporta as tight end two. And this summer, like, this summer I entered... This summer I entered looking at Iowa's tight end that was playing behind Laporta, but not really, as tight end three. It's right. How do they do this? When you watch him... So here's the game that I would recommend everyone start with. Laporta at the end of the year, because of the meniscus, missed the game against Nebraska in November. Mm -hmm. In that game, 
Lachey had seven catches for 89 yards and a touchdown. And it's like, yeah, he's good to go. He's just in an offense that has somebody older than him and more ready because that's right. what Iowa does. He finished the year with 28 catches on 43 targets for 382 yards and four touchdowns. But when he was the guy, because Laporta missed the game against Nebraska, he went off. And you just watch the traits. So he's 6'6", 253, basketball background. He's 6'6", uh, 253? Yeah, he's huge. He's huge. Okay. Good athlete. Now I'm just mad you didn't tell me about him. Hands catcher. Uh, excellent adjustments and quick transitions. Like he plucks. His hands are actually better than Laporta's. He's not a better player than Laporta, but he has better hands than Laporta. He plucks everything out of the air. He quickly tucks it into run. Tough after the catch, can grind out yards. Basketball background is evident with the athleticism in his receiving game. Uh, big strides, easily covers a lot of ground. And then as a blocker, I wrote he fires into his assignments with a lot of upper body power when blocking on the move. The cons of his blocking was he needs to avoid ducking his head. It gets him in a lot of trouble and he needs to develop more leg drive to sustain his blocks. He's kind of, he kind of shoots one bullet as a blocker. And it's like, mm. I hope this upper body kill shot works instead of driving with his legs consistently. But I also look at him and go back to the conversation of the whole sixth year college tight ends compared to this guy, Luke Lachey, who has been at Iowa for two true seasons much younger than a lot of these guys and go he's 6'6", 253, he likes blocking, he's strong, he just needs to learn how to do it more consistently and he's already a great receiver in my eyes. So I really like this dude. I really do. This is a school that coaches and trains the position as good as you'll ever see. Yep. Uh, and I think he's ready to roll and I think he showed that in the game that Laporta missed and he had a lot of other good games too, but this guy's a really, really good player and a really good NFL prospect. I love it, man. I got. I, I definitely got to watch it. Like size alone, that that at yeah. least you mentioning how big he is. Go okay, that's a tight end. Somebody we're talking about over here. You know so, what's crazy with him? Hmm. He's from Columbus. I. How, many, how often does that happen? I just read his little bio on Iowa. Did you see his dad played at Ohio State? I did. I totally missed that. Yeah, that makes dad, it even more absurd. His, his dad played at Ohio State. He's from Columbus, Ohio. O Ohio State must have not. I guess Offered, they were right? like, we don't care about you. Dude, that'd be... uh, I, I'm not going to question Ohio State's recruiting. They have a decent track record in my lifetime. No, no I'll question but this it. dude. Oh, this shoot. Dude, this dude's uh, really good. 24-7 um, sports, that's where I go to for a lot of my ranking stuff, uh, or my recruiting stuff. They have a high school projection on him, and they say eventual second, third round player. They say pro comparison, Tyler Eifer. Nice. Okay. Same height. All right. Nice job, 24-7. Do don't they do that when they're in high school? They do that when they're in high school, yeah. And and they they don't do it for every player. Right. You know, like they, they only do it for the players that, you know, I think that they would uh, deem it worthy to do something like that. Oh, he was recruited by Ohio State. Oh, dagger. But he didn't get an offer. Oh. Oh, no. Brutal, it is. All right, I think it's gonna work out. I think it's gonna work out for us. That's a, that's a good transition, though. Guy, I have a number yeah. three is is Kate Stover from Ohio State. This is somebody who I watched at the end of last year, and I was like, hmm? maybe we got we got something here. So he ended up uh, going back to Ohio State. So he is still at Ohio State, but um, Kate Stover, 
I think he's going to be a lot more involved in the offense than he was last year, even with their stud wide receivers that we will get to on next week's episode. But Stover's listed at six foot four, 251 pounds. You talk about being of tight end size. At least he's getting a lot closer to the middle of that percentile. He's 38th percentile in height, 43rd percentile in weight. So again, a little bit closer than some of the other guys that we've been listed on this show. He's got a pretty intriguing background. Kate Stover does four star linebacker recruit from Mansfield, Ohio. He was named Ohio's Mr. Football and the Ohio Gatorade Player of the Year as a senior after rushing for over 1,400 yards, getting 17 offensive touchdowns, plus recording 163 tackles and four interceptions as a linebacker. He's a great linebacker, yeah. Stover also set the Lexington all-time scoring record in basketball as well. He committed to play football at Ohio State over Michigan, Oklahoma, Penn State, Texas, Wisconsin specifically. Um, initially recruited to play linebacker at Ohio State, but he was moved to defensive end before the start of his freshman season. So they wanted to put a little weight on him, get on the line, line of scrimmage. Played four games before redshirting that first season. Was then moved to tight end during spring practice in 2020. Uh, returned to linebacker the following season, I believe, due to injury because they wanted him to bolster the depth there. Uh, and then he was once again moved to tight end for his redshirt junior year. Last year, caught five passes for uh, for 67 yards. No, actually, that was the year before. So he just played a little bit sparingly. Um, played, <laughs> Ended up having to play linebacker again in the 2020 Rose Bowl. So that was... Not this past bowl season, but the one before, again, due to injuries. So when you look at Cade Stover's overall tight end career, statistics, output, production, it's not going to wow you. But you've got to understand that this guy was recruited as a linebacker. And the half the time, I don't want to say half the time because it's not, it's not quite half the time. He's played tight end more than half the time. But there's a good chunk of his time where he was playing college football at the linebacker level or defensive end level. There's there's essentially, if, if you combine all the time that he has played tight end, it's basically just two years of playing tight end. That's about it. And if you heard his high school stats, he had a lot of rushing yards as well. So this dude has just played all over the field. He has yet to truly hone in on the tight end position like I think he has been able to over the last two seasons. So I would say that this upcoming year for Stover, there is reason to believe, even as a redshirt senior, that this is the best is yet to come for him. The thing that I like about him a ton is how high his floor is. He is a fantastic blocker in space. He understands how to block at the line of scrimmage. He's got the linebacker and the defensive end background. He knows how those guys operate, and he often uses that to his advantage. His athleticism, I think, is very fluid for a player of his size. He's, he's a guy that I think is a fantastic tight end two option because he's got a lot of experience as a wingback player with the step with him being a step behind the line of scrimmage, which allows him to then be a split zone blocker, like we said before, coming behind the line of scrimmage and also be used as a lead blocker. I think he's a great lead blocker, man. You get him out in space, yeah. he's got that athleticism, hand-eye coordination, timing, experience, everything to line up linebackers or safeties who are coming up to him, sealing those last couple of blocks and seeing guys like Mayan Williams or uh, or Travion Henderson go flying behind him. So I think that he is such a, a, a high floor because of that kind of background that he has and the kind of player that he is there. Look, he's not the most explosive athlete or have the best top speed, I think that both of those will probably be average at best areas in the NFL. That's why I think the ceiling form is probably a tight end too. But again, 
in this class. You take that. That's, I thought, yeah, I'm with you. That is a rely. That is a, I can draft this guy and get something out of him on my football team type of a player. So lower of a ceiling, but a lot higher of, of a floor before, um, or for where we're, we're, we're coming at for him. So that's the way that I look at him. I got him at number three and, and I'm sitting here saying, Hey, this is a tight end two type of player. So that tells you how I'm kind of looking at the class at this point, but that's what I thought of Cade Stover overall. I'm with you. I mean, I have him tight end six. And if he finishes tight end three in this draft because of his floor, it just wouldn't shock me at all. It wouldn't shock me at all. He does a lot of things. Well, um, he's not ever going to be asked to take on a large receiving role in an offense that has superstar talent at mm-hmm. the skill positions. They don't need him to do that. And he seems completely fine yep. handling that kind of role. Yep. So, so now we get into the final two and it's, I, I mean, you don't just do rankings like for shock factor and creativity, right? This is the reality of where they stand. Um, and you're going to see this pretty consistently, I think throughout draft media, maybe not, but Number two for me, Jatavion Sanders from Texas. And interesting player, right? Former big-time recruit, really had a breakout season last year. He's 6'4", 241. He's a good straight-line athlete. Last year in his breakout season, he has 54 catches for 613 yards and five touchdowns. That receptions number of 54 was the most for a tight end in Texas program history. Pretty impressive for a program like that. I wrote down, can use his size and speed to make really tough middle-of-the-field grabs, can shield defenders when making a play on the ball, unbothered by contact at the catch point, Mm -hmm. straight-line athleticism stands out. Yes. Will pancake smaller box defenders in the run game. Love to see that. When there's a, maybe a small, you know, college linebackers and outside linebackers should be like 225. He he will look at a guy like that, and, and I could put you in the dirt. The negatives, balance issues after the catch that shocked me. Uh, it was, and to kind of paint the picture of the Texas offense, huh. Sanders, they get him going on constantly on these, you know, chips, chip, you know, he kind of chip blocks and releases or screens or dump offs. It's a lot of short scheme catch and run targets. And I, th- I think he has potential in a better role, like as a real tight end running real routes all the time. Mm-hmm. In this kind of role where it's very short dump offs to get upfield, I saw some balance issues where he just wasn't able to get his footing. He wasn't able to get upfield and make a move as much as you'd like. Um, I think he's more of a move blocker right now, some inline force. I, I don't see him as a guy you put on the line of scrimmage and you're going to ask him to down block and and handle defensive ends or even true NFL size three, four outside linebackers. But with safeties, slot corners, slot players, lighter edge uh, outside linebackers at college, I thought he did a good job. He's an interesting player because the potential for this guy is really, really high. I thought he started to tap into it last year. I still saw a massive gap between him and number one. I don't like this isn't like a first round player in my eyes, mm-hmm. but his receiving ability it's really good right now with a chance to be even better because of the athleticism. And that excites me. I kind of want to see this offense take the training wheels off him a little bit. Now it also might be the training wheels on a young quarterback where they're like, we need our great weapon to have the ball in his hands to make things happen. But I really think this is somebody that can eat up the middle of the field, running a full route tree. And, and for the glimpses I saw of him doing that were very impressive. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I don't think this is somebody who is a, first round type of a player 
yet, but I think that at least he can be. And I, I there's just not many in this tight end class that you would say the same thing about. He's a former five-star right. player. I don't know if you had mentioned that, but played yeah. basketball in high school, wide receiver and defensive end. His stats are pretty, are, are pretty great actually. So um, last year of high school, I believe uh, he was named first team all district um, at defensive end had 20 tackles for loss, 11 sacks, two forced fumbles, three passes broken up while also catching 47 passes for 763 yards and seven touchdowns when he was on offense. He chose Texas over basically any school in the country. Like every major school offered this dude, a, 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 uh, I almost said a contract, but a scholarship, but like kind of yeah, a contract kind of right contract. now. So, um, so obviously like Texas got a good one in that regard. I agree with you, man. I think the movement skills are fantastic. A couple of the things that I specifically wrote down, I think is a very natural mover. Very fluid for a player who is six foot four, 240 pounds, which is what Texas has him listed at. I noted this specifically as well. Excellent speed and explosiveness when he is getting out of a three point stance, right? right. There are yep. a couple of guys who look stiff, high-waisted, not as flexible, not as explosive when they're getting out of this three-point stance. This dude's played tight end and he's played defensive end. He understands how to explode out of a three-point stance. So where I do hear you, I don't know how much you're going to want him to play in line. Even if you've got him in like a jumbo package where you got 12 personnel on the field, if you've got him in in a three-point stance, you know this dude could get up the field quick. You're, you are not reserved about that. So the versatility still stands there even if the blocking is, I agree with you, not as good as it can be. When he's going up against smaller players, you mentioned it, sometimes just the sheer size. He can push over those corners in space. But I will say that um, I didn't hate his blocking profile, but he was, let, let, let me make sure I get it. So I, I say that he is more of a, quote, get in your way type of a blocker than like a people mover. You know, I watched him as a wing back coming behind the line scrimmage. And there were times where it was like, all right, defensive ends crashing down. Sanders is coming up. It's about to be just like a train on train. And he just is like, boop. And he just kind of like, just <laughs> I'm, I'm way oversimplifying a violent game while I sit here in a computer chair the doing a podcast, good though. but it's just like, he just kind of like gets in front of them and no, I, he, I know he gets in front of them in a way where he does his job well enough to where Roshan Johnson or Bijan Robinson can like get beyond where they need to get beyond. But you notice if he has to maintain blocks, especially against trench players, he does, he, 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 he can't, or he just doesn't, he doesn't right now. He doesn't have that yeah. strength profile in his game. His game as a receiver is much better than his uh, than his blocking profile, but that's okay. He's a five star for 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 athletic reasons. You're going to use this guy a lot more in the passing game because of it. So, um, the the little Spark Notes version of him that I have on here because I have him at number two as well. For if people weren't already uh, privy to that, Sanders shows you that five star recruiting tag right away when the ball is snapped and you see him move. He is a big time problem for defenses in the passing game for how well he gets out of his stance and into his routes. He's comfortable making the most out of a massive catch radius, which is a big plus, and you can get plenty of yards after catch from him. I didn't notice the stumbling and balance part, though. I Now that you say that, when I go back and watch him, I will keep that in mind. He's not a people mover in the blocking game, but he is adequate to still be on the field um, and get in those inline situations where he can make the most out of that explosiveness. So that's the way I see him as well. Very excited to watch what happens with him uh, over 
this upcoming season because as a former five-star and as a guy who I think is going to be a big part of their offense, I got to believe that uh, he's probably going to be in next year's class. So I hope it comes after a really great season. Connor, before we get into um, the guy who is number one, we have a we have a Manscaped read. Manscaped, once oh, again, sponsoring the podcast. Uh, everybody's favorite ad read. And just for the people and for Connor's entertainment as well, I have not read the script. I didn't even know they were back. This is like Triple H returning from a torn quad. So I am reading this Manscaped ad for the first time for your entertainment because their ad reads are always the most creative. Um, and it starts off oh, with no. a doozy. All right, uh, folks, if you haven't heard already, it's smooth sack summer. I don't know oh. if you knew that. I don't know if you knew that, Connor. But I, I hadn't heard. I'm glad Manscaped is here because I yeah. had not been told. Yeah, they're they're making sure they my let sources us know. didn't didn't text me saying it's smooth sack summer. <laughs> it's smooth sack summer. Uh, when you're playing, when you're playing in the huh. summer sun, make sure that you are scaped from pubes to bum. I think that was supposed to be a rhyme that I think I messed up right there, but you know, there'll be another ad. There'll be another show. I'll get it right for the wide receiver episode. That's right. This summer to keep your balls cool while still looking hot. You got to get manscaped. The leader in below the waist grooming are making sure that we have a ball this summer by giving our pants partners, everything that they need to stay fresh. Dive head first into smooth sack summer. By going to manscaped.com and uh, getting 20% off plus free shipping if you use the promo code PFF. The Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 has everything that you need to prepare that summer body. They have built the ultimate grooming bundle for your summer grooming. Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer features the cutting edge ceramic blade and reduced grooming accidents thanks to their advanced safe skincare technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has 7,000 RPM motor. Wow can run your car with that i was gonna say that's serious horsepower over it's, here that's uh, kind of dangerous but i, I trust the folks over at manscape i do and a new multi-functioning on-off switch that can engage a travel lock and gives you the ability to turn four thousand led spotlights on and off when you need a more precise shave wow folks i'm even blown away just reading this ad um get 20 percent off and free shipping with the promo code PFF when you go to manscaped.com is 20% off. Free shipping when you go to the promo code, when you use promo code PFF over at manscaped.com. It is it's smooth sack summer, boys. So get on board or get left behind. What a great transition. Take care of your meat umbrella. Into the the human meat umbrella himself. I mean, the, he really is. The one and only Brock Bowers from the University of Georgia. Connor, I uh, we both are going to have plenty of words to say about this dude. Um, yeah, run, run wild if you want. No hard feelings right. here. Okay, all right, I'll uh, I'll go first. So I'll just start by saying this: this is going to be one of the highest prospects I've ever graded from a like numbers perspective. Uh, the way that I have my scouting sheets and scouting breakdowns, you know, I take everything from measurables to combine results, production, film grades, all of that stuff into account. Uh, I got to think that Brock Bowers is going to be one of the top 10 players that I've, I've really ever scouted since I really started to, to do this. So I guess I I've been doing it since like 2010, but you know, five or six years of that was very basic level. So I would say like since 2015, this is going to be one of the top 10 prospects that I've ever graded. He's incredible, dude. 
um background a little bit of background four-star tight end so how dare people not give him that five-star label four-star tight end from napa california yeah who is from napa first and foremost I mean, talk about tricking everybody. Like, yeah, I'm from wine country, and now I'm the baddest MFer you'll run into on the field. Growing up, Bowers played a variety of sports, including football, basketball, baseball, and soccer. Not a shocker when you watch him uh, out there on the football field. Uh, his parents both played sports at Utah State. Uh, his dad was an offensive lineman, and his mom yeah. was a record-breaking softball pitcher. As a freshman in high school, he played quarterback for the team's junior varsity team, running the triple option. Uh, Bowers then was elevated up to the varsity team when he was a sophomore and he played tight end as well as linebackers true freshman for georgia bowers was named sec freshman of the year and was an all sec first team player and an all-american second team player as a true freshman in 2022 he was named a first team all-american so he jumped up there and he won the john Mackey award as the nation's best tight end little note i can't remember if i found this at, at georgia's bio or where i found this but he is never connor never made less than a B letter grade in school. Incredible. He's got the brains. It's truly incredible. So here's my, here, here was where I wondered if I would sound like a contrarian with Brock Bowers, because before I really watched his film, I did the measurable inputs of him. He's six. Georgia has him listed at six foot four, 240 pounds. I don't know if he's that big. I thought he was 230. I think I think he's I think Why he's Why do I have that? He's 230 in some places. And, okay. and then I think some places have him at like 235 and then one place I looked at him at 240. A lot of places have him mid 230s. Connor, if he is just if if he is even 240 pounds, that is still just the 6th percentile for a tight end at the NFL level. If you make, if you say that he is 230 or 235 where he's listed at in other places, that's like first percentile for the tight end position. They also have him listed at six foot four. I'm not so sure he's six foot four. I think he's probably more like six foot three, which would be like 15th percentile. So Brock Bowers is not going to be this home run passes the eye test or the get off the bus test type of a player he's just not but holy shit can this dude play the game of football 92.2 and 90.5 receiving grades as an underclassman a true freshman and true sophomore stupid 24 explosive plays of 15 yards or more last season were the most for a tight end in any for any fbs school and 76.5 contested catch percentage in 2022 was top 10 of any receiver Insane. in the FBS. It's nuts. Just to list off some of the strengths that I had for him, because there are so many. He is a true power slot or big slot kind of a receiver. Just such a very, very good athlete for a receiver who is that big. Even if you say, oh, he's a little bit small for a tight end. For a receiver who is six foot three, 230 pounds, incredible athlete really good blocker in space, especially when he's lined up in the slot, consistently looking for extra blocking work. He, I mean, his his head is on a swivel at all times to block. It, the, the work ethic, the play through the whistle, that mentality, unbelievable for him. It's what every single coach is looking for. He is a reliable and effective red zone threat uh, as an outside receiver for fade passes that is incredibly reliable. He is a natural yards after catch receiver and more than just natural, I would say incredible. Super strong hands for contested contested catch 
catches in all situations at any point in the field, whether the ball is coming into his chest, whether it's way above his head, whether it's at the uh, the peak of his catch radius to the left or right, whatever. This dude has super strong hands. The one weakness I have on him is that the weight factor of him being like 230, 235-ish, weight will limit his effectiveness as an inline blocker. But his blocking technique is so good that he will even be able to hold himself against outside linebacker type players. The only real area of his game that I'm worried about is if you get this dude lined up against a you know, a 260, 265 pound true defensive end. Yeah. He might struggle a little bit just because the weight profile is a little bit further down. But if he gets between 240 and 245 at the NFL level, maybe that's not going to be a problem at all. Uh, final thing that I'll say about him before I, I, I alley-oop it over to you. This is my spark notes for him. Bowers would have been a first round pick if he could have declared as a true freshman. He is the total package yeah. for a modern day tight end. He gives you everything that you would want from a big receiver perspective is excellent blocking in space and is a puller and has zero reps, zero, where he is not giving it his all, no matter what his responsibility is. This is a easy slam dunk top 10 overall draft pick. 100%. 100%. He's George Kittle. Every great thing about George Kittle, this guy has. And the block, I mean... Maybe not the the total killer as a blocker yet, but I think he's going to get there. The way they use him in the screen game, his ability with the ball in his hands after the catch, the jump ball ability. I, I mean, fascinating high school situation. Uh, he, I think he played quarterback as a freshman yep. on, J, on JV, right? Yep, yep. Then sophomore year, the team is 0-10. Oh, I then, didn't know that. I'm pretty sure that it, they were 0-10. Then as a junior, when he is officially a tight end receiver or whatever you know officially designation was, mm-hmm. they go from being 0-10 to being in the state playoffs because he has 1,500 yards and 14 touchdown catches. <laughs> like he's a one-man I, football team. I was about and then to his get, senior was year about, was canceled because of COVID. I was about to get on him for the 0-10 and say, oh, tight end wins. You know, it's just not, it's not yeah. looking good for and him. And then he said, fuck you, Trevor. <laughs> like, literally. <laughs> I read somewhere, and I might butcher this story, but I read that even in his, I think, junior year, maybe going into his junior year of high school, nobody was really recruiting him. Nevada. Only Opry had. Yeah, until he went to some, I don't remember if it was Elite 11 or the Nike camp or whatever. And every every coach in America was like, who the hell is this? Yeah, one of those moments. Yep. Who is this? And the rest is history. The rest is history. Now he's one of the best players in college football. He's been one of the best players in college football. I think the combo with Brock Bowers is going to reach like the low-hanging fruit question of, is he better prospect than Kyle Pitts? Uh, right. And we'll have that combo when we do the tight end rankings in January or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, he's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Do the... What blew my mind when watching his tape from start to finish in 2021 to now was that he had earned the jump ball high point target trust immediately. Immediately. True freshman. And it's like, he's down there somewhere. I'm like, are you kidding? You're on Georgia, the best team in the country. And they looked at him like that. Todd Todd Munkin, the offensive coordinator, Stetson Bennett, 
one of the oldest college quarterbacks we've seen in a long time. Like guys sure. that have been through a lot. Seth look Bennett, his dad. Eight, look at this 18. <laughs> look at this 18 year old. And they're like, yeah, this dude's it. So, and he's everything that's perfect for this game. It can play multiple alignments. Did you read the snap counts? No, I, I actually did not read the snap counts. So the last two years, 20 from the backfield, 633 in line, 631 from the slot, 169 out wide. And that's not counting that he's also played special teams. It's just, he catches everything. He's great after the catch, through contact or no contact. It was so hard to write down negatives. Yeah. I literally wrote two notes. Can be over-aggressive lunger when run blocking. Hope he can add 10 pounds. That's it. Yeah, right. That's it. And then the pros were like 80 lines, and you read most of them. It's just, he's such a good player. And I'm not really going to spend the time right now to do the whole how high can a tight end go or how much better does a tight end make your team? This guy's one of the best players in the draft. Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. And he's going to be a phenomenal pro. It's it's almost a shame he has to play college football this year. Dude. I know Georgia fans probably cringe hearing that, but it's, it's, it it's is. almost a it shame. I don't, I don't need to see anything else yeah. from him. If, hold on. What year are we in? 2023. 2023. If Brock Bowers were eligible this past season, okay, or this past draft class, do you think mm, we'll go through the draft and say where where would he go? In yeah, the draft? like where where would he have gone? Who's picking? He, oh, he he'd have gone three. Arizona wouldn't trade the pick. I don't think Arizona trades the prob- pick. Probably, yeah. And to play devil's advocate and say that the return was just too high. That Arizona had to trade that pick. He goes what, sixth, uh, sixth to Arizona. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, Arizona, Arizona moved from three to twelve, but then yeah, back up. up. Oh, they there. went back up for Paris. I mean, the, the our argument is he go in the top ten. Yeah, he can't I mean, by Chicago I, at ten, I, he can't. I think, he, I think he'd go three. I think he'd go I don't three. Think you're in, I don't think you're insane at all. I think I think that he would go three, or he would have gone five. I think Seattle picks him at five. Right? Yes. That's Probably. that's I mean, you you don't have to agree with me. I didn't mean to put no, I, know, like back you in a corner. No, I, I do. I'm looking at all the teams right now, and I'm just it's the conversation is there. He's that good. Probably. Right. Yep. He's like a Pete Carroll dream. He's from California. He's an incredible blocker for your run for your run game, your it's, pass game, and a beast of a receiver. Because wide receiver one in this class went 20th. Like teams would have been starving to pick Brock Bowers in this past draft class. Yeah. All right. There we go. Brock Bowers is number one. Um, Is there anybody else? I know we kind of talked about a couple of other players uh, that did not make your. Oh, can I shout out Trey Knox? Yes. I'm going to, I'm going to shout out Arkansas tight end Trey Knox. Who now transferred, right? Yeah, he plays. Sorry, he I, he he plays for South Carolina now. Um, I actually need to literally update that as we are doing the show. So he he played at Arkansas, and now he's going to play at South Carolina this upcoming season. I'm not going to lie. Knox was in the conversation for tight end five for me for this show. Wow, he is six foot five, 
250 pounds now. South Carolina's got him listed at 250. What was he as a recruit? Uh, he was really small as a recruit because he was a wide receiver as a recruit. He played wide yeah. receiver for the first two years at Arkansas, played a ton as a freshman, didn't really play a lot as a sophomore. They moved him over to tight end his junior year. He was still figuring things out there. Uh, last year was his first year where he, I think he actually looked comfortable playing tight end, and now he transferred over to South Carolina to try to get a fresh start. So he, they have him at 250 now. The, and I saw a picture of him. It's legit. They beat they beefed this dude up to actually be able to play on 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 the line of scrimmage. He was doing everything with the wings, taking the flat wings, just yeah. making meat umbrella after yeah. meat umbrella. You got You got later. You got to do it, dude. Uh, he was he was two fifteen. He got to Arkansas weighing two fifteen, and now wow. he weighs two fifty. He is super up and down, right? A lot of the fundamentals for playing the tight end position are not consistent for him yet, but. The highs for him are absolutely there. He, again, moves super well as a former wide receiver for a guy who is now playing on the line of scrimmage. Um, the overall grades have been low for him. He's never posted a season where he's graded above 65.4, um, never, never had a receiving grade above 67.4. But after the film that I watched, I'd be okay betting on that to this year maybe be his highest yet. Here, here's something to note, though from his transition from being a wide receiver to a tight end run blocking grade went from back to back grades in the forties in 2020 and 2021 to 74.2 made a massive jump last year. Finally confident as a tight end, as a blocker um, with 348 run blocking snaps. So the more that he has been able to do this, the better he has gotten. It's what makes me feel like the best is yet to come for this dude. Um, the highs of him as a blocker. I mean, you watch a couple of those games that he plays. What game was it? I think I have it. I think I noted it here. The Cincinnati game. Go watch the Cincinnati. For everybody out there, go watch the Cincinnati game, the Arkansas-Cincinnati game at the beginning of 2022 last year. He puts a defensive end that outweighs him by like 40 pounds on his ass twice in that game. One of them, it's just a straight shoulder to the chest, and he decletes this guy. And you can tell the right tackle who's next to him, who is supposed to actually take that block on after the chip, like looks down at the guy who's laying there and just then looks over at Dre Knox. And he's like, who are you? Like, Are that's you, awesome. what, what just happened? So that's a funny moment there. Uh, he's a really great natural receiver, receiver, I think. And again, I just felt like he was underutilized at Arkansas. After watching a couple of games from him last year, it just felt like they didn't want to run the offense through him. I don't know if there's a reason why. Like, he was there for three, four years. I don't know if they, uh, you know, something beyond the field, locker room, work ethic, bad relationships, different coaching staff than the one that brought him in. I don't know what the difference is. I, I don't know what the deal is, but I got high hopes for this dude to play pretty well at South Carolina. So I, I wanted to shout out, shout out Trey Knox in this group. I love it. I'm excited. I didn't get to watch him, but I'm excited to now. It makes me wonder, like, we did a YouTube series. You and I go to Arkansas for three weeks. How much How much muscle mass do we gain? Oh, that's a good... We just a... live in... our Stock Exchange lives in Arkansas on campus for three weeks, and we lift and eat with the football team. We don't practice because we die by day two. But <laughs> I mean, look at the size of these guys. We'd both just, like, be doing the podcast in like hoodies with giant always shakes at all times. Like all times. Like, like two, yeah. 2000 calories. <laughs> oh, uh, is there anybody else that you want to shout out or 
I, I'll shout out one that I, I hinted at my dart throw at five and I didn't pick him, but just knowing where he transferred, he transferred from Memphis to Ole Miss to play for Lane. Uh, Caden Priscorn. Oh, I didn't watch him. Six, okay. five and three eights, two sixty. He had a monster year for Memphis last year. He had 48 catches over 600 yards and seven touchdowns. I'm curious if he just kind of blows up at Ole Miss because he just had a huge receiving year for Memphis. Uh, I'm fascinated to keep an eye on him, you know, and then you got, to, you get to watch a lot of other guys like Theo Johnson at Penn state. Mm -hmm. um, you talked about Sanat. Yep. We talked about, actually, we talked about a lot of guys because we had a lot of variants in our three to five rankings today. Yeah. You know, Eric all who we watched last summer transferred to Iowa. He'll be their tight end too. You watch Trey Knox. Um, Tennessee got a big transfer McCallan castles from UC Davis. See what he could do out there. You know, you from Stanford didn't have a good year last year, which was disappointing. Trevor, your guy, Arik Gilbert now at Nebraska. There's a <laughs> lot of names to go through in this. Yeah. I'm proud of you that uh, you are officially on the, I'm not buying into Arik Gilbert until I see it. No, I, I mean, he's not even on this list. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't but, watch hey. him. So He's got a shot at Nebraska right. now, but yeah. I, right, I she, dude is gotta insanely he's insanely talented. But yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely got to see it. You're a second, Eric. All I have um, as uh, lower graded tight ends. I, I just didn't see NFL level athleticism from either of those guys. No, so. they're 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 well. All's a blocker, and Eurosex kind of this lost in between receiving. All it, all has it's it. He's such a here. I'll I'll, I'll read kind of my spark notes on him. Eric All is a perplexing eval. He has the mindset and mentality of an athlete and a good receiver, but he has major deficiencies in his athleticism to show for that. His twitch and change of direction and acceleration are just not pro level the way that it feels like his style of play is. Feels like a tight end three and a special teamer to me. So, like, I, again, like, I think that he could be a reliable dude, maybe on the line of scrimmage as a blocker and a good special teams player, but it's almost like you watch him and he's got like the football IQ is there for him. I think. Right. And he's, he's got this mentality of, of an athlete, but I'm like, man, you're, he's just not moving the way that you would need him to move uh, at the NFL level. So, I mean, I guess he'll be interesting to see if he's got some more juice in him this year. Uh, maybe if something was bothering him last year. And that was a reason why I kind of noted that in his scouting report, same thing with Eurosec. I just didn't think he was athlete enough to really uh, make a big difference at the NFL level, but I know he had a down year as well. So, all right, uh, everybody, let us know what you think about this tight end class. Some of the guys that we mentioned, some of the guys that we didn't. Uh, we know that you guys bring some great players to the table that maybe we didn't even have chance to look at when we were going through our top tens, but we would love to hear from you either way, or Hey, even if it's uh, responses to those questions that we had at the beginning of the podcast, when we were having some fun, hit us up on YouTube. That is the best way to, uh, to get in on the conversation youtube.com backslash at nfl stock exchange if you are already watching and listening to this bad boy on the platform if you haven't hit like and subscribe yet what are you doing reward yourself with a meat umbrella when you're done yeah do that uh connor's gotta connor's gotta figure out how to afford these 89 dollar beers so we need and you guys to price of one so we need you guys to subscribe to the podcast. We'd absolutely love you for it. If you're an audio only listener, you can get in on the show and give us your feedback on what you heard on this episode at Tampa Bay Trey at Connor J Rogers on both Instagram and Twitter. We will be back for the wide receiver episode. So it, we are going to have a wide receiver episode for you guys next week, but it's going to be a little bit different with the 4th of July holiday coming up next weekend. I'm going to be, away from my desk for a little bit, but we are going to watch wide receivers this week and have a show ready for you. I think it's going to come out 
Thursday the 6th, if I had to give you guys a guesstimate for when we'd be able to watch a lot of these guys, because wide receivers, you got to watch a lot of them. Like we're going to, we're going to watch anywhere 15 to 20, 20 plus wide receivers, whatever we can get to before that episode. So we know you guys love that one. Maybe. Yeah. I think we could do top tens with that one. Y'all y'all love uh, when we are very thorough with wide receivers. We know a lot of Debbie people and fantasy people. Yeah. um, like that podcast as well so we want to make sure that we put in the hours and we put in the work to to make that one as deep and as thorough as possible so just want to let you know it's not coming on monday of next week but it is coming i think at some point probably on the uh on the sixth is what i would guess connor you got anything else before we get out of here you gassing up the boat for fourth of july weekend that might be a little gas in the boat, yeah, you know. He's gassing might be, up the boat. You know, might be Maybe a little a gas in the boat. So, oh yeah, yeah. If you guys are out there drinking Modelo, send us a picture on Twitter or Instagram. Yes. We'll be, uh, we enjoy a nice Modelo at a barbecue on a boat. Uh, if you're driving the boat, you better not be. You better not be drinking the Modelo. But if you're just enjoying the boat casually, you can send a picture of your Modelo. But yeah, yeah. No, I think that uh, that'll be great. Hopefully, everybody out there has a safe and fun fourth of july weekend whatever you guys are doing uh, make sure that's the case so you can tune in to the next episode which is the wide receiver ranking here on the nfl stock exchange podcast i'm trevor sigma that's connor rogers we'll see you guys next time